Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash credit card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash credit card. It's ready when you are, with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash credit card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com/activecash. Welcome to Bet the Edge. I am Jake Croucher here with the incomparable Drew Dinsick, the whale capo. We're going to talk today about 49ers Seahawks and repercussions of that game in the futures market. Also going to be joined by the great Ken Barkley, aka Lockie Lockerson, or I think it's a new one today, something Fridayson, handicap NBA MVP and sixth man of the year. And we'll ra- uh, wrap up the show with a look at the World Cup final. Rainy. Friday, son. So, <laughs> Drew, how are you? What did you make of Thursday Night Football? I'm surprised uh, Ken's not uh, bowly season, son. Uh, college bowls p- kick off tonight, and I think of when I think of uh, the great Lockie Lockerson, I think of uh, uh, just smashing college college football markets uh, first and foremost. But um, no, the um, the Thursday Night Football game was weird. Um, I, you know, I, I the San Francisco 49ers are a truck. They win the NFC West. Uh, they were the you know clearly the better team in that game. Um, their defense p- performed extremely well last night, and they have now uh, going on for about the last half of the season been utterly elite. It does not matter who is unavailable for this team in terms of injuries, which is crazy. Like over the course of the season, the Niners have lost who I thought was their most important piece now three times, and they have you know come overcome it without really any hiccup. Uh, they lose Trent Williams on the offensive line earlier this season. No big deal. A little bit of a speed bump against the Broncos and then right back on track. They lose Jimmy G. Brock Purdy comes in. He is apparently the most composed Mr. Irrelevant we've ever had in the National Football League. He made the play of the game last night, by the way. The third and one scramble where he picks up the first down to keep Seattle from having an opportunity to go down and uh, you know, th- you know, threaten for the tie. Um, you know, that was a hundred percent on his ability to kind of get that hard yard. And, uh, and then, you know, they lose Debo Samuel. Doesn't matter. George Kittle steps up, has the game of his season, uh, and really kind of helps clinch, uh, the West for the Niners on the road in a tough spot on, in a short week in a hostile environment. All of it was very, very impressive. Uh, and, you know, Shanahan gets most of the you know the lion's share of the credit here for kind of knowing his team well enough to be able to navigate the you know the bumps and the uh, you know the the hiccups that happen over the balance of a very long and physical regular season. Um, but uh, you know, I, there are still glimmers of what is this guy doing in game. Uh, some of the decision making and really the fact that the Niners only ended up with seven points in the second half. Like if he takes that type of approach into a playoff game against a team that is playing up on any given day, they're in trouble. Uh, I don't care who the quarterback is. I don't care if everybody's healthy. Uh, that lack of aggressiveness, the kill, lack of a killer instinct, particularly in the uh, in the closing stages of a game is just, uh, you know, it's it's going to cost them uh, whatever their ultimate potential is. And then on the flip side, Pete Carroll still doesn't get it. I mean, kicking the extra point when you're down 15, 
I don't know what to say. I mean, this is, it's, it is just technically the, the incorrect decision. Um, I feel like if you go for two there and you make it, you've done yourself an enormous favor. If you go for two there and you miss it, you have a very, you know, we know we have a, a, a coach who lacks aggressiveness on the other side of the ball. If he has a two score advantage, he's not necessarily, you know, you know, putting his quarterback in harm's way to get the hard yard uh, in a drive that can put away the game. So, um, you know, both coaches, uh, you know, huge question marks in terms of just in-game decision-making last night. And, uh, uh, you know, you would expect that from two younger coaches, but with the experience these guys have, it's just, it's still amazing to see. Um, tough night for our uh, Gino comeback player of the year. He loses an enormous amount of equity because it looks like he is now on the outside of the playoff picture looking in, but... I still think Seattle can get a wild card spot. I think now might be the time to double down and rebuy on a Seahawks team that everybody has quit on. Yeah, I think with the Seahawks, I mean, the Niners team that lit up Tampa Bay uh, on offense, I mean, they basically scored 14 legitimate points on offense when you think about they just punched it in from the one after the, the Travis Homer fumble. And the run defense, which looked like it was the worst run defense in the league or at least the bottom three unit, after what Carolina uh, and Josh Jacobs did to them recently. I mean, they they kept Christian McCaffrey relatively inefficient on the ground, so the defense looked better than I expected. The offense, though, I mean, this is now – we're going on two months now where Geno just hasn't been that good. He was amazing yeah. the first five weeks of the season. He's still fine. Like, he's not a problem, but he hasn't been a top-10 quarterback uh, or even really close the past couple of months. Uh, and now Tyler Lockett has a broken finger and is probably going to miss the rest of the season. So – that's not ideal either. A lot of interesting repercussions across a lot of awards markets last night. Last night was a huge high leverage spot for a lot of these awards. Yeah. I think Gino, I mean, yes, he definitely drifts for comeback player of the year. I still think he's the clear favorite over the field because of what he has banked. And also his stat line last night, even though he didn't play that well, he avoided any interceptions, which was a remarkable fluke given the both. <laughs> yes. Gino should have. He tried. 10, 12 more picks than he does this year. He's gotten incredibly lucky with interceptions. Uh, but he he keeps his case, I think, alive by having an okay enough stat line. He's still 26 touchdowns, eight interceptions on the season, top five in passing yards. He's still got enough of a case there. McCaffrey's price is shortening for comeback player, which I don't really – I just don't see the narrative around McCaffrey. Like I think people, for the most part, they might forget uh, what he's coming back from it's because he was – had all these niggling injuries in Carolina, then got shut down on a bad team last year. The trade as well makes it kind of strange. His case, I think Jared Goff is is clearly the guy uh, who is going to be the threat to Geno just because his case is more directly comparable. It's an easier comeback story. Number one pick, made the Super Bowl franchise quarterback in LA, left for dead this year, and now has been a top 10 quarterback in the league. Uh, I think that Goff is the guy who's coming in that case. Uh, for that award, and I think also Kyle Shanahan's Coach of the Year case bring <sighs> a, a lot of steam. Uh, I think he should be the clear second favorite in the market behind Nick Sirianni. That um, was what I was going to ask you. I'm nervous. I have a big, big, big bet on Sirianni at a, at a number that seems impossible. Um, I'm And I'm nervous that Shanahan steals this. Uh I think the steam for McCaffrey and comeback play of the year is in some way rel- you know, reflecting people are like, well, the Niners got to get some kind of award. This is the best team playing in the NFC right now, right? Oh, like they're like people are going, 
Yeah. Well, Nick, well, so, it, you know, I, I don't know if people are going to be able to give Nick Bosa the uh, green light over Parsons. Parsons is so entrenched as sort of the best player in a lot of voters' minds that it's, you know, Bosa has to have uh, an exp- just an explosion here down the home stretch in terms of just raw counting numbers for people to reevaluate that, I think. Um, Shanahan, though, can flip Sirianni in a heartbeat if Sirianni has any kind of, uh, you know, stumbles at all down the home stretch here. You can still get. Kyle Shanahan at 25 to one. I think that's important insurance to have in pocket. If you are like me and you have an enormous amount of equity uh, in play with Sirianni getting coach of the year. Cause I, other than, other than Shanahan, I don't think anyone can flip him. Yep. I agree with that. I think Shanahan's the clear number two. And before we bring in Ken, uh, here's my thought process with Shanahan is that if he runs the slate and if he runs the slate, the price is, He's about minus 300 fair money line home to Washington, minus 170 at the Raiders, minus 400 home to Arizona in a game San Francisco likely has something at stake. That adds up to about plus 165 for the Niners to run the slate. And then on the other side, if you just do the same process with the Eagles money lines, I'm throwing out week 18 against the Giants. They might not have anything to play for, but the next three games, they're minus 200 to lose at least one of those three games. It was likely at Dallas next week. So if you just multiply plus 165 by minus 200, you're getting around plus 300 odds that that Shanahan is 13 and four and that Sirianni has one loss, particularly if if it's against Dallas. I think that's really going to hurt his case. So I think, you know, that's not a it's not an auto win for Shanahan or anything, but at that point I think he becomes the favorite. So uh I still think Seriani's the favorite in the market overall, but Shanahan has a very clear path. So that's the best bet on the board at the moment is Shanahan twenty five to one. I think it should be more like five to one. Uh so he's yeah. very light. But anyway, I'm sure uh, Ken has some thoughts. So before we bring him in, reminder to download the RotoWorld app to receive breaking player news all season long. Stay ahead of the competition by favoriting players on your roster. Get the latest injury updates, player news, and much more delivered right to your phone. It's available in the App Store today. Let's welcome in Rainy Friday-son, Lucky Lockson, Transferry Portalson. Uh, Ken, any thoughts firstly before we talk NBA on um, Kyle Shanahan? It can never just be easy, guys. Can it? Yeah. It can never just be. Uh, it can never just be. Sirianni's just going to win, and especially, <laughs> especially, it can never just be. Geno Smith's just going to win. It's cool. It's like minus eight hundred two weeks ago. Like, yeah, all right. It's like it's not even that many games left. And there's always uh, a soccer term that the the British announcers always use. They call it uh, when there's like a late goal in the 90th minute. Like, oh, a sting in the tail. Like, like, you know, like that's always what they say. <laughs> NFL awards every year. There's always a sting in the tail, and it's yeah. so obnoxious because you're trying to figure out how do I balance these positions. I have so much Gino. It's just. I just like, I don't even have a place to put the tickets. I got to like move the kids Christmas presents. I mean, it's just, I, and I, I don't, I don't know what to do because how, how do I create a pricing mechanism for the most arbitrary award imaginable? (laughs) Like, how do I, how do I do that? Like, yeah. Okay. In, in the playoff hunt, not in the playoff hunt. Okay. That's like a pretty simple yes, no kind of a thing. Statistics are relevant but like what threshold matters and what doesn't i just it's really murky and you kind of just have to go by like how everyone's talking about 
the award. Yeah, basically. you got you got to read Monday Morning QB every yeah, Monday as totally soon as agree. it's posted to see if if because uh, if, if Peter King's sale you know points oh, in a certain direction, then the rest of the and he sails in some random run. directions now too. It is. <laughs> yes, he's, right. all, he's all over the place. Somebody needs to take the wheel, probably. Uh, yeah. So I Shanahan though, I had a lot of people ask me about this, and it's interesting, Jay, that you, like you're really in on it. And first of all, the math behind that makes perfect sense. Like who could, who could argue with any of that case, right? It's just, there's a weird gray area where if the Eagles, I think everyone almost expects the Eagles to lose to Dallas next week as just like that. Oh yeah. Well, like Dallas will get them. It's a home game and Dallas, you know, they're playing so much better of late and everything. If Dallas or if uh, Philadelphia loses that game at, or loses like even one more game, like all of their awards now like come into question. There's like a weird situation where they don't lose coach of the year or even lose MVP necessarily, but no one really knows what happens in that like very gray area situation. Yeah. Like we can make really educated guesses, but I'm not sure we totally know 15 and two Eagles, 14 and three chiefs or like 14 and three Eagles, like just like any of these combinations Okay, MVP, I don't know. Okay, well, like, what if the Lions went out or the Niners went out and the Eagles lose twice? Or what if the Eagles only lose once? Like, everyone who's had a record of one or two losses in the NFL history basically wins coach of the year. But, like, Willie? So I just I think there's, like, a ton of ambiguity and a ton of uncertainty in a bunch of these things. You guys, I mean, defensive player of the year, you only, like, Whale brought up, I don't know if people can get entrenched from Parsons. Remember, this is the first year of the new voting. Too, where it's like the top three choices for everything, top five for MVP. That makes it, I think, kind of crazy. And and one even didn't bring up Brock Purdy, offensive rookie of the year, which I think has, I think has no shot. But like, who am I? Like, I don't have to, Uh, I don't have to be right about that. Like, I I don't know if you can play no games and win. I don't know if that can like really happen necessarily. But curious about your thoughts on that one as well. I think, look, the thing with Coach of the Year is that seven of the past fourteen winners have had at least five losses. So you don't have to. You don't have to go. Andy totally Reid, fourteen and one two two years ago, and didn't sniff Coach of the Year going into last week, which is a meaningless game. So I think in terms of before we get into NBA stuff, in terms of comeback player, I think that's the most interesting one to price out because I kind of think you can. And there oh. is a structure. And to me, the structure of the pricing is that. Let me get my pen here. With Jared Goff, right. his price to win is Detroit make the playoffs and Seattle miss the playoffs. So. That's about plus four hundred. You think it's that easy? You think that's like a hundred percent that it happens? I in think that it's situation? pretty, pretty, pretty kit. Yeah. What if they beat the Jets, but he has a bad game? He's playing know, the Jets defense man. in an outdoor game. Uh, if he gets in, if they yeah. run the slate and get in at the expense okay. of Gino, I think Jared wins. So look, none of yeah. this is perfect, but then I think that Christian McCaffrey he wins if both if the Niners win out, Detroit and Seattle both lose a couple of games each. Yeah. He only wins by default if the two quarterbacks falter. And then Juno wins comeback player in basically any other outcome that I didn't cover above, which is the okay. bulk of the outcomes. So right. I make Gino minus 150, Goff plus 400, CMC plus 650. So, and then Saquon and Henry both <laughs> very, very well. Not dead yeah, yet. Sure. Very much dead. Um, but Can yeah. I make a, a quick comment on coach of the year that you yeah. brought up, Ken? So, Coach and Jay, you're right. It doesn't matter ultimately if you, if you're, if you have a superlative record or not, it doesn't matter if the expectation coming into the season was you were going to be amazing and you're amazing, you don't get credit for coach of the year. That's the way it works. It's sure. always sort of like a surprise. We're good. Right. 
the problem that Sirianni and the Eagles have right now is that nobody is like surprised when they do what they did against the Giants. Right. Right. Nobody like like everybody is now accepting. Oh, yeah. No, this is this team is great. Look how great these play, look how great that roster is. They're so good. Hertz is, you know, Hertz Hertz stepped up his level. Maybe Hertz is the MVP. That's the answer now. Like this. People have just come to accept that the Eagles are a great team. Which means that if they stumble on the way in, even if it's a game where they're, you know, they're dogs at, you know, at Dallas next week, any stumble on the way in for the Eagles and people are going to question, oh, oh, well, we thought they were great and maybe now they're not as great. Wait, why are we giving their coach an award? You know, so that that's the way that Sirianni plays his way out of that favorite status. And of course, we already talked about Shanahan playing his way in, like. If he yep. gets the two seed in the NFC with Brock Purdy, like people are going to fall all over themselves to write those columns about why I'm voting Kyle Shanahan coach of the year. You can already see it happening. Indeed. All right, let's go to MVP points about right now. Jason Tatum is the favorite plus 300. He also was the leader in Tim Bontemps' vaunted straw poll this morning with 47 first place votes. We'll talk wow. about that. I don't think that really matters. Giannis is plus 400, second favorite. He was second in the straw poll. Doncic plus 450, which I think is poison. Then Embiid, <laughs> and Stephen Curry, who I think is pretty much dead uh, at this point, missing a month. Looks like he's going to miss about a month with that shoulder injury. He's 16 to 1. And then Davis, Zion, Durant, Jar. I think they're the only three guys left with any realistic chance at all. But Ken, what's your handicap of this market? Luka Doncic is that's it reminds me of uh what was that like 1990 hip like that bed is poison. <laughs> that bed is poison. poison. Uh, yep. poison. Really poison. Really poison. Yeah. yeah. Really really. Um there's <laughs> I, I just, uh well, I love Come. coming on the show to do NBA awards, by the way, because I think one of the things I like is like I don't have to talk the whole time. It can actually just be a discussion. Whereas sometimes, you know, like you go on radio interviews, whatever, like you have to be the expert. But I think all all three of us, I think kind of like know a lot and, and probably have really strong opinions about this one, to be honest. So just the question I would ask, so you brought up the and happy Tim Bontemps straw poll day, by the way, to everybody who celebrates it, we've all been waiting uh, for the results. The, the number one thing I think that we have to like solve first before we even talk anybody else is do we think that Jokic can win? Like that's kind of like the, that before any other candidate has to be brought up, it's basically is voter fatigue with Nikola Jokic a real thing or not? He's the best player. He's going to end the season as the best. Like, this is already a thing. He's first in everything. He's first in PER. He's first in box plus minus. He's first in win shares per 48. The team is really good. He would, he would probably just win if he was some new player, but he's not. And you even see that in the straw poll where he comes out like seventh. I mean, it's just not even in the zip code of the other guys. And he's already first in all this stuff. It's not like he became first, you know, today or something. So it just, yeah. what I think, how real do you guys think that is that, like, does he have any chance? Basically, I think his question yes. Was. Yes. I vote, I vote yes for that. So he you did get yes? one for he did get one first place vote in the straw poll. We, 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 we can all we can all assume we can all assume it was Zach. I think I think we can all assume it was Zach Lowe. I, I think that's that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's that's a fair fair assumption. And Zach Lowe, of course, has an enormous platform. He has enormous sway among a lot of the other voters. Uh, and if he's out there beating the drum that Jokic has taken another step forward, and oh by the way, 
you know, if the Nuggets go from a six seed to a top two seed in the West, which seems possible because the West looks awful right now, uh, like, yeah, he's going to get consideration. I, I absolutely think that his ability to improve his team's chances at a title by getting a better seed does give people the, the um, gives them the mental structure to make a third straight vote for him, I think. Yeah, I think that voter fatigue generally is overrated and serves as a tiebreak when it's close as opposed to ruling someone out for arbitrary reasons. Like, voter fatigue killed Rudy Gobert's Defensive Player of the Year case because people had an excuse not to vote for him last year because Utah had, like, the 10th defense. Whereas Rudy Gobert, if he was on the number one defense again, then he just would have won last year. Yeah. People wouldn't have been able to justify any other case, but because they had room for other cases, then he didn't win. I think with Jokic, if he has... MVP, it's generally, I think, the most reasonable award where, for the most part, the most deserving candidate wins every year. Like, Derek Rose probably didn't deserve to win, but outside of that, pretty much the most deserving guy wins. Everyone last year, if voter fatigue was a big thing, then everyone would have fallen over themselves to vote for Embiid and his story over Jokic, but Jokic won going away because he had the best case. So I think this market's completely upside down. And the way, and I'm interested for your thoughts, Ken, but the way I kind of reverse engineer thinking about this market is, is Jason Tatum going to win? And I don't think he is because I don't think that one, statistically, everything, he's not the same caliber of player as Jokic and Embiid and maybe even Doncic and Giannis. So if you think that Tatum, here's the thing with Tatum, he's, he's very possibly going to end the season with fewer points per game than Joel Embiid, fewer assists per game, fewer rebounds per game, fewer blocks per game, worse field goal percentage, worse advanced <laughs> numbers, and way worse defense than Embiid. So how does he beat Embiid? And then you go from there, and even if the Celtics win 63 games, I just don't think Tatum's going to win because he's not going to have the case. And so I think the two favorites in the market should be Jokic and Embiid because they're the two best players and have been for the past <laughs> three years. And uh, I think it's going to become down to those two again. What do you think, Ken? I hope it does because I think Embiid would win if that happened. Um, I think he would win. So I agree with you on a lot of what you said. First of all, I think it's interesting that you both think Jokic has a really good chance to win. Cause I think if people just consume the NBA, like read the, the right, like the national writers and their stories and look at the straw poll, I think they would get a big, like a tinge of, I don't know if he's going to win. Like, it seems really unlikely that that's going to happen. So basically something needs to change fundamentally between this exact moment and the end of the season. Now you could be right. It could be Zach Lowe continuing to push people toward the idea that Jokic is great. Other writers could follow suit and do the same thing. A lot can change. I don't put, I don't put any stock in the ranking and the straw, but I don't care at all about who won and how many votes they got, whatever. The only interesting thing to me in the straw poll was where Jokic was. Cause it's like, that's like the question that looms over the entire handicap of the market because if voters can't quite get themselves to make that jump and there's one or two or multiple other candidates that make sense i don't think he will win if he's the only candidate that makes any sense and they have to vote for him i think he will definitely win right now you could kind of make the argument that we're going to get there and that's going to be true so Jokic is is weird he's definitely in the mix I, pricing him is bizarre because of voter fatigue you think it's overrated jay I can't argue against that. The one thing I'll say, though, you brought up Rose real quick as like a bizarre example of like a, an NBA MVP vote that <laughs> was unexpected. Uh, LeBron had won two straight years going into that season and then would win more afterwards. But like a funny dynamic happens with like the all time players when they kind of reach if we want to call Jokic an all-time player this season. And if you look at, okay, what if you made a list of 
the bizarre votes that we've had, let's say in the last 30 years, something like that, you would Rose would definitely be one of them. Uh, Steve Nash would definitely be one of them, especially the first one and and the second one, to be honest, but the first one against Shaq and then uh, Westbrook, you would come up with probably in that situation because it was more rooted in the triple double. Uh, there's just there's these times where like, OK, like, why do the weird things happen? And in a lot of situations, it's because we get tired of the guy who just won like one or two in a row. And we like kind of convince ourselves that the, uh, Carl Malone over Jordan would definitely be another one where it's like, all right, we know they're not the best player. Like, we know that's true. But like this year, OK, it's close enough and we're tired of this guy, whatever. Can any player get to that with Jokic where it's like, all right. Jokic is the best player, but it's like kind of close. And so let's have one of these weird votes where it's kind of close, but somebody beats the best player. And I think Embiid's the most likely player to do that. Actually, maybe by a lot at this point. Um, If he just plays, if he just plays, which I know is a big if. Yeah, you you just said the big if. But that's but here's the thing. Like everybody has a flaw, right? Yeah. Tatum's flaw is his statistics will never be good enough. Is that a fixable flaw? I think the answer is no. Um, I don't think that can be fixed. Uh, they have to win so much more to overcome that. Correct. And that's really, that's tougher than Embiid playing 80% of the rest of the games of the season or something, in my opinion. Uh, Luca, is the team ever going to win 50 games or 48 games or anything? I keep waiting. Not sure it's going to happen. Uh, is everyone even more tired of Giannis than they are of Jokic? And he doesn't play as much as Jokic does. Yes, like obvious flaws, Curry's hurt, duh, duh, right? That's obviously one too. Davis gets hurt all the time and they stink. Um, John Morant's numbers haven't been very good. Zion's maybe too early to win. Like these guys all have really obvious flaws, but some of them, like you can't overcome some of those flaws. If Embiid just plays, that's, he has like the flaw that's like the most fixable, I think. I has to play basically 68 to 70 games. Like, and that means he can still miss a few more games the rest of the season, to be honest, to make that true. So can, mm-hmm. can someone get to the Jokic level or close, not even as good, but close to challenge him? Uh, I think Embiid is the most likely player to do that. So I agree with Jay in that way. Okay. Right. Yeah, we're all on there. Let's jump this. Actually, real quick. Year. I got, I got a funny, funny thing for you real quick though. Oh boy. December 10th, 2021. Tim Bonteps releases a straw poll for MVP. Curry. Who, want, who wants to guess? Curry was number one. Who wants to guess how many votes Nikola Jokic had? If, you can, oh, if, four, it, if it's one again, it's going to be awesome. It's one. one it was one. It was that's, one. That's first, amazing. It, it was one first place vote, and he was fourth in that poll. Um, it was Zach Lowe. <laughs> we know amazing. that. Amazing. <laughs> we know that because he went on TV and was beating the drum. Why is no one considering Jokic again? Sure. And if you told me at that time that the Nuggets were going to end up as the sixth seed and not have a realistic shot in the finals, and and, and you know at that time I believe Jokic was also ten to one in the market because I remember betting it. The I would have said insane. Don't do it. Stop. If they finish six, no chance. But. You know, I think people are kind of more willing to embrace uh, just who is the correct winner nowadays. And so I, I think Jokic is the only bet you can make right now. Um, we came into the season. We thought that the Nuggets were going to be better because Murray was back, because Michael Porter Jr. was back. No, the Nuggets are better because Jokic is continuing to improve. Those other guys really haven't made a meaningful impact so far in terms of the Nuggets win loss. It's been simply Jokic. And so uh, I think that's really the only bet you can make right now. But I have some. I have some in beat in pocket from preseason, so I hope you're right. 
Yep. I make Jokic plus 350 to win this award. I make Embiid plus 500. So I think they're both big bets. All right, let's go to the John Havlicek Award. Uh, <laughs> Good work, Dan. Yeah. Good work on that one. Uh, to the old school folks. Russell Westbrook is still the favorite for some reason at plus 175. Jordan Poole is still the second favorite, plus 350, even though he's about to start 15 more games with Steph Curry on the shelf. And then Malcolm Brogdon's plus 375. I think he should be the favorite in the market. Matherin, Wood, Malik Monk are the next guys. I think that probably that's where you run out of realistic candidates, I think. Like, shit, maybe Norm Powell if he comes back and averages 18 a game, but probably not. Ken, what's your handicap of this one? Yeah, you mean, you mean when you and I were DMing about Gary Trent Jr., that ship is sailed? Is that what, uh, is that what you're referring to? <laughs> Just OG got hurt. What a disaster. What a disaster. Yeah, got to start every game. <laughs> and they, they're also they're also bad, which isn't isn't really fun. Uh, it's and not injury. helping. It's not, it's really not helping. Um, I 100% agree with you that Brogdon should be the favorite because I think it's really simple, right? What if everything that has happened just keeps happening? What if, what if all the records and winning percentages stay about the same? What if all the points per game averages stay about the same? Like, what if nothing really fundamentally changes? Kind of played a lot of games at this point. Um, what if everything just stays the same? Lakers record completely disqualifies Westbrook from winning. No one's even come close to winning this award with a record like this and with statistics that are not so impressive combined with that team record. If he played for a great team, he would win. And he's Westbrook, so he would definitely win. But he's disqualified if they're this bad. And if this continues, they're that bad. I totally agree on Jordan Poole. He was all he's already starting because Wiggins has been hurt and because Clay doesn't play sometimes. Like he's gonna he's gonna get to the threshold for starts that basically disqualifies you, maybe like in three weeks. I mean, it's just gonna happen. And then he's nuked from the market. Like he can't win at that point. He's got the worst flaw because it's like a ticking clock of starts and he can't do anything about it. Like you can't, it doesn't matter. Play well, don't play well, it doesn't matter. Um, so then it's just, okay, Brogdon, what do we know about the award historically? Always goes to a player on a really, really good team that wins a lot of games. Yep. That's him. And if everything stays the same, which is the big if, uh, he just wins. I think he wins really comfortably the way all these other candidates shake out. Uh, there's also the possibility Christian Wood starts way more. Maxi Kleba's hurt. Like that can increase his starts possibly, um, which puts a flaw in that. The only player that I'm kind of holding out hope on because it's a monster price. I think Malik Monk can definitely win, but the Kings have to win a lot of games. And that's not likely. It's not likely that they're going to win a lot of games, but they can. They've shown the ability to do so. So just, I think it's really you know, ordering or tiering the players like you did with Jokic and Embiid. It's like Brogdon, for me at least, it's like Brogdon, Monk, and then you can order the rest of the candidates however you'd like, and I don't even know if it matters a lot, probably Christian Wood and then everyone else. And that's probably it. So I, I, I hope Monk ages really well. I have crazy numbers. I think Jay does too. But if everything just holds, I think it's actually probably Brogdon comfortably at this point. Yeah. What do you think, Drew? I 100% agree. Brogdon, not only is Brogdon the most likely to continue to perform well on a team that we expect finishes, if not first, top two in the Eastern Conference, uh, he seems to be thriving 
in the role of reduced minutes. He's playing better because his, you know, because of this particular uh, wrinkle of him being the sixth man. Uh, and so I think number one, yeah, his performance is the most sustainable. Uh, and number two, uh, you know, there will be a narrative to be written about, wow, what a move. The Celtics go out and get Malcolm Brogdon, shore up their bench. Uh, and, you know, oh, by the way, like Brogdon has taken his game to the next level because he only has to play 20 minutes a night now instead of 32, right? Like there is a lot of uh there's a lot of hay here and i think of all the awards bets you can make this moment this one is the most plus ev yep i think i agree that brogdon is just the default winner where people are just going to give it to him because of the celtics record because of his efficiency it still is a little fraught with peril because he's probably going to end up averaging 13 and 3 uh which is not really the benchmark to hit but i think that the team record will propel him to me the two bets in the market and i do think that brogdon is worth a bet at plus 375 I think he should be more like plus 250 max at this point. But I think the other two bets are like Christian Woods averaging 17 and 7 on 63% true shooting. And if Dallas just get better, which is certainly possible, then he will have the best statistical case and look most like typical winners. So I think 12 to 1 there is still a bet, even though it's an uninspiring one. And then I do think Malik Monk, uh, he just needs to play an extra three minutes a game. He's been hovering around 24. That's not enough. Like if he gets up to 27 and he can turn his. 15 and four into 17 and a half and four and a half, then I think that he can, he can absolutely win. But those would be the three guys that I look at and I'd be fading the rest of the market. All right, Ken, we have to move on. It's always fun chatting to you, my friend. Uh, you're the best at this going around. Tell people where to find your content. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, guys. And I, I know last time we went like seven hours, and I think I, I think I interrupted every <laughs> single person's day or schedule for that day with uh, with my very long appearance. So we'll have to do this again sometime. Uh, I, I co-host You Better You Bet. You can find it wherever you find your podcast. Search You Bet Odyssey app, Twitch, YouTube. Uh, just search for the name of the show. You Better You Bet. We're on from three to seven p.m. Eastern on weekdays. Uh, I also started a Substack last week or two weeks ago now, uh, where I write about a lot of big picture rewards topics things that Jay and I like to talk about way, 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 way too much. That's called the chalkboard. So just go to Substack and look for the chalkboard. You can find it there. Thanks very much, guys. Yep. You can follow Ken at Lockie Lockerson. Uh, look, this is the stuff where you find the biggest edges around uh, and Ken is as good as it gets. So make sure you're following him and subscribing to his Substack. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com. T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N dot com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash. 
Just a reminder, if you don't have the NBC Sports Predictor app, go download it now. The contests are free and easy to play, and you have a shot to win thousands this weekend by predicting what will happen during the college football bowl season and in the NFL, including $100,000 up for grabs by guessing the outcome between the Giants and Commanders in our Sunday Night 7 contests. It's time to get your swagger back with PointsBet Sportsbook. New customers can sign up now with the code BETTHEEDGE to get five second chance bets up to $500. That's five straight days of second chances where PointsBet will match your losing wager in free bets. So use the promo code BETTHEEDGE and enjoy more live betting markets than ever before. PointsBet, it's your move. New customers only. Must be 21 plus and present in Colorado, Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, Kansas, Louisiana, Maryland, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Virginia, or West Virginia. In partnership with Louisiana iGaming LP, DBA Boomtown, New Orleans. Second chance means that if any of your first five cash bets, that is the first bet per day for five consecutive days on a fixed odds market loses, you will receive free bets in the amount of the losing wager up to $100 each. Cash out is not available on all wagers and may not be equivalent to the initial wager. PointsBet can disable or suspend the cash out feature at any time. Additional terms and conditions apply. See the promotions page and terms and conditions section of the PointsBet website app for more details. Void where prohibited. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help in Illinois, Maryland, New Jersey, or West Virginia, call 1-800-GAMBLER for crisis counseling and referral services or visit www.1800gambler.net. In Colorado or Kansas, call 1-800-522-4700. In Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. In Indiana, Call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. In Michigan, call 1-800-270-7117. In Virginia, call 1-888-532-3500. Gambling problem? Call 877-8-HOPE-NEW-YORK or text HOPE-NEW-YORK. That's 467-369. In New York, call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Pennsylvania, call 1-877-770-STOP. That's 1-877-770-6867. In Louisiana. One of the questions you will see in that contest, Drew, how many total yards from Saquon Barkley on Sunday night? I think he's got to bounce back in him. I really do. I know that the Washington commanders have one of the better uh, just overall front sevens and they're healthy, uh, getting healthier. Uh, as we speak. And in general, you wouldn't expect that there's going to be uh, you know, a huge, huge edge for him in this game because of the matchup. But he is a boomer bust player. I think he can come away with a couple of big shots here. So I'm going to go to the very top, 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 top rail plus 135 yards. I like it. I don't necessarily disagree, but I'm going to go other end of the spectrum just because you know, we like <laughs> the big hands, we like the yeah. huge range of outcomes. Also, the injury risk with Saquon, you get that with taking less than 80 yards. Good Washington defense as well. So I will take Saquon Barkley less than 80 total yards on Sunday night. All right, let's talk about our best bets this weekend, Drew. you got a familiar friend in this one. You're running with the Jags. Yeah, uh, tough to come up with a best bet this time of year. The market is feels very, very, very tight this week. Uh, look ahead on this one was six. It's moved down to four and a half. So I know it is a little suspect to say, how could you have a best bet in a market that's already moved a point and a half? And I would tell you anything better than plus three is a play on the Jags in this game. I have huge amount of questions about what's going on in Dallas right now. Uh, we have yet to see four good quarters of play out of Dak Prescott. Uh, any game he's been since he's come back from injury and so i think that uh, you're going up against a, a white hot trevor lawrence coming off of his best game as a pro uh and just in general a good you know a good experienced coach in doug peterson who i think knows exactly how to continue to push the buttons uh to kind of 
get you know to 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 uh to continue to grow uh what we're, you're getting out of uh trevor lawrence here now i'm not saying the jags are going to run down the titans and win the afc south but if they did i would be an extremely happy camper so uh very hopeful that the jags win outright not just cover but uh, my fare for this one is three and so i think if you're getting over a field goal uh you play the jags all right, let's go swaggy Oz. I am riding with the Cincinnati Bengals, minus three and a half at the Bucks. I think the Bucks are just a car crash. And last night <laughs> reinforced that where I don't think Brock Purdy's that good. I think he's fine. Mm. But he the ease with which the Niners were able to move the ball against Tampa, and then they really couldn't against Seattle, a defense that is not very good at all. The Bucks, they're so banged up on defense. Losing Shaquille Barrett was a huge deal. They don't have any pass rush anymore. And then on the other side, every game, it's Tom Brady, 50 pass attempts for 275 yards. Like there's just no explosiveness to that offense. And I think the Bengals are, well, not really quietly, but I think they are just the juggernaut. I think they're probably closer to the Bills and the Chiefs than most people give them credit for. The defense, even though they've lost guys in the secondary, uh, is still playing at a really high level now, at least high enough to the point where that offense, which is an elite, just unguardable unit, uh, is really coming to the fore. So I think the Bengals are a juggernaut. I think the Bucks are not very good at all. And I think the Bengals will move the ball at will and cover three and a half at the Bucks. All right, before we leave, World Cup final. Uh, Drew, be quiet, Siri. I want to talk about (laughs) Argentina-France. This game is pick. It's basically pick. Minus one ten each side of who's going to win the World Cup final. Who do you like, Drew? Well, I mean, you know, it's the World Cup final, and so obviously this market is extremely beatable. I don't know where they came up with this number. This should be Argentina minus 200. No. Pick is, of course, correct. Like the difference between these two teams is very narrow. Um, and I, you know, as I look at the way that the game could potentially play out, France has obviously been the most effective and the most dominant with sort of the quick counterattack, uh, particularly against elite competition. They play a little bit more wide open style of play. And, uh, you know, at, at times, Loris has been a little susceptible to the laugher, uh, particularly in this tournament. In fact, I think their first clean sheet was last time out against Morocco. Um, but I would still expect that. Uh, Argentina dominates possession in this one. It's a matter of whether the France defense can get, you know, just do, just get clean stops. Um, Argentina is going to, is a very effective at drawing free kicks, drawing penalties. Uh, and I think, uh, you know, if the France defenders are a little bit too aggressive, that could be the difference in this game. Um, I would lean ever so slightly Argentina at minus 110. Um, but uh, some of that may be my own personal bias because I just want to see Lionel Messi hoist the trophy. It, it is so overdue, and it would be a pretty uh, way to special way to start the week or special way to start Sunday. Yes, my head says Argentina as well. I think the France have a few flaws, and I think that how Morocco they got so much joy down the right flank in the space that Mbappe is supposed to occupy defensively, and they created a lot of chances. They dominated play, and they only really changed when. France took off Olivier Giroud, put Mbappe in the middle and replaced Mbappe with Marcus Turan, was actually yeah. able to run back defensively. So I think that this is going to be very cagey. I don't think there's going to be three goals in this game, so I would definitely lean the under. There's not much meat on the bone there at minus 175, but I think there's, these are two very defensive teams. I think it might just be, I think it might be 1-0. I think one goal might be enough to do it. I'll be cheering for Argentina, but... My gut says that France, just with the quality of Mbappe and Griezmann, uh, is going to prevail uh, and they have a better chance at creating one moment uh, in a defensive game. 
the same time, Lionel Messi is pretty good at creating moments as well. So I think pick is right. I would lean the under. And then in terms of futures, just before we go, uh, I think Mbappe, I, sorry, I think Messi is going to win the golden ball, but I do think that if he gets beaten, it's not going to be by Kylian Mbappe. It's going to be by Antoine Griezmann, who is plus 1,600. Mm. I think there's a little meat on the bone there. I think that should be more like 8-1, to 9-1. to one. Uh, I think Messi is very, very short to win the golden ball, uh, but I do think Griezmann, who is getting all the hype because he's playing a new position that he's never played before, he is the heartbeat of that team, not Mbappe. So they've got Dembele on the other flank as well, who they use. So I think Griezmann is worth a bet there. But anything across the golden ball or golden glove that you like, Drew? Uh, I mean, Golden Glove, I'm cheering for Bono of Morocco. I, but at this point, it's kind of out of my hands. <laughs> it's out of his hands potentially as well because he's in the third place match. Um, but uh, for Golden Ball, I agree with your general breakdown. I think market price is probably fair right now for Messi being, what, 85, 80% chance to win here. Um, and, you know, I think it's going to take a pretty special performance out of Griezmann to steal it uh, and or, you know, Mbappe coming away with, three goals but even you know we go back to last world cup mbappe had a very similar sort of rocky uh like some games he was very present some games he was a little invisible and he had an amazing 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 final uh, he was clearly the best player on the field in the final did not matter luka modric still took home the hardware for golden ball so i think you know it, to a degree they do they don't overweight performance in the final it is literally your body of work and to that degree i clearly uh tip messi as the best player in the tournament yep i'm with you there all right don't forget to check out nbcsportsedge.com for more information to help you with your wages thanks everyone watching on the nbc sports youtube channel and if you're listening to us in podcast form don't forget to rate and subscribe us go argentina go bono go morocco and uh good luck everyone with your bets on the weekend we'll be back on monday need a lot of money to do more with it. Join Padma Lakshmi, Viola Davis, and Fidelity's Women Talk Money team during our free Women's History Month series as we get real about ways you can start planning and saving for the future you want so you can feel good about your money every step of the way. Save your seat today at fidelity.com slash WHM. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokerage Services, member NYSE, SIPC. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.